This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I want to continue this series on the idea of a reset. Look, I've even on gone to the old ancient godly way. I don't even have an iPad this morning. I got paper notes. Lord bless. Try something new today. Why not? Just because I can. You know, you got to start trying new things. I never knew I liked spinach, but on this fast, I'm figuring out that I love some spinach. Y'all ain't going to agree with me, huh? Yeah, all right. You go ahead and get on your little little fast and don't eat no meat or something for 21 days. You'll figure out some things that you will eat that you didn't think you would eat. Amen? Just saying. Try some new things. Reset is this thought process. I do hope that your fast is going well. If you've not been uh, participating in that, maybe you weren't aware. Maybe you're here for the first time today. God bless you. It's so good to see you if you're here for the first time. I'm thrilled that you're here. Maybe you'll come back. Maybe you'll feel some love and uh, you'll come back and join us. But uh, if you weren't here the last couple weeks and you did not begin this fast with us, it's fast with us. It's perfectly okay. Um, You can jump on today or tomorrow uh, and you can fast for the remainder of this 21-day season or you can start your own 21-day fast. But um, as a church uh, denomination even. We're a part of the church of God, which uh, means that we have the accountability to some people that are higher up than us. We've just got a network of churches that allow us to minister bigger than ourselves. Uh, we're able to do great things. If you were a part of what was going on last year, you saw some of the awesome things we were able to do. Um, Pastor Danny Bird, evangelist brother Danny Bird, that was here last week is actually in Ecuador preaching to some church of God pastors uh, this week. And so the network is very big, and the network's huge, and so we have committed to a 21-day fast as a church, uh, not just a local church, but a big church family, big church body, and so I asked you to consider fasting some sort of food, something that you liked, something that you could, uh, you didn't know if you could live without, but you can live without it. I asked you to start that with me last Monday. And so today, as uh, Pastor Valerie said earlier, today should be day seven. Tomorrow starts a brand new week. And so I hope that's been going well for you. Uh, Maybe you got over your headaches. I don't have a headache today, praise the Lord. I mean, I'm just going to be, can we be real? There ain't no reason to not be practical and real. We're just going to talk about it. We're a family together. I hope you've got over your headaches. I hope you've made it past whatever it is. Uh, Maybe you give up. I was watching complete side note I was watching blue bloods last night night before i don't remember uh if you've ever watched that show pastor jonathan loves that show uh but frank reagan is the police commissioner of new york his dad is the previous police commissioner anyway how this all ties together is granddad old pops as they call him is talking about lint and he's talking about specific things that he gives up uh and so for instance if you didn't want to have if you were going to give up cheeseburgers he would say i'm going to give up mcdonald's double cheeseburgers for the time of lent but he'll eat every other kind of cheeseburger that's not what i'm talking about i ain't talking about giving up mountain dew i'm talking about giving up soft drinks you with me um 
that was something for you to work out between you and the Lord on your own of what you wanted to fast uh, and how you wanted to work through that. I'm going to talk about fasting today. I told you last week that I would address this, that we would talk a little bit about it. Today's going to be very practical. Um, I do believe that it is a spirit-filled, prayed-over, anointed message for you today. But at the same time, my goal is that um, there would be practical insight for what you're actually doing and the spiritual experience in your life. Is that okay? Um, I hope that you're also reading your Bible. I'm for real. We had some great conversation Thursday night. Our worship team got together and practiced, and uh, we do a devotion before we practice. And so we started this week. Instead of uh, having a prepared devotion, we sat down and just walked through our readings for the week and talked about something that had jumped out at us and something that had moved us. For instance, uh, in Genesis, after Noah and his family got off the ark, he he immediately built an altar and lifted up sacrifices to the Lord. Did you read that? How many of you read that? He immediately offered up sacrifices. Did you realize that it was the sweet aroma of his sacrifice that changed the Lord's heart and what made the Lord, that was what pushed the Lord to say, I'll never do this again. I made a covenant. So do you realize that it was Noah's worship? Come on. It was his worship that actually made it so that you and I never have to be washed off the face of the earth with a flood again. That tells me that there's power in our worship. There's power in our worship. There's, there, what we do moves heaven, and that's one of our main thoughts in a minute, so I'm trying to be careful and not jump into it. What, what we do and how we act in our worship actually moves heaven. It moves the heart of God because when Noah got off the ark, he built the altar, he offered the sacrifice, the Lord smelled the aroma of the sacrifice, and at that point his heart was turned and he said, I'll never, I'll never flood the earth again. I'll never take out humanity again. Uh, they're, they're dumb. They make dumb decisions. They make dumb mistakes, but... I'm going to be merciful and I'm not going to do that. Amen? So there's different things that I hope that you're pulling out of your readings. I hope that it's not taking you uh, too long to read through this. Uh, If it's taking you a really long time, let's have a conversation. Maybe I can help you find a translation that's easier to read. Or maybe you're trying to get too detailed. I don't know. I hope that it's not encompassing a huge amount of time that you don't want to be in that. Uh, Maybe it's not a struggle for you to drug through the, the drudge through or whatever. Uh, but I believe that it's a blessing. It's been a blessing on my life already. I know the worship team uh, had conversation after conversation Thursday night where it's been a blessing for all of us. And so I know that if you read your Bible, you will be blessed. Amen? In fact, <laughs> last week I told you, Joshua 1.8 says that if you speak the word, if you live the word, if you um, walk that out, you will actually prosper in the word. Amen? I don't want to eat black eyed peas to prosper for the new year. Instead, I'm going to read the word. You with me? So two weeks ago, I talked to you a little bit out of the prophet, uh, out of the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. Uh, Jeremiah said, hey, family of Israel, you come to a point where you're at a crossroads. You need to stop and look around. You need to ask for some directions. You need to seek out that old ancient godly way. You need to find that path and then you need to walk in it. You need to travel it regularly. The one that has been walked over and over and over. Um, my mind went to, to trail riding horses whenever I was having this conversation because I used to love to go off on the little little random paths uh, that nobody else rode. I got a scar in the top of my head and cracked my wrist when I was I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old, because I decided to go off on a path that was not one that was well-traveled, and it kind of bit me in the bottom uh, and ended up with a horse laying on top of me and me hitting my head on a log. So 
Traveling the ancient good path, the one that's beat down and, and traveled often is a good thing. You with me? Come on, y'all got to wake up. You with me? I got all day long. Right? Somebody said, do we need to order in lunch? Sure, just order me something. I'll eat and preach. That path that's been traveled is a good path. And so I told you that I believe that the church, the Lord's laid on my heart, the church of Jesus Christ, the church, uh, our local church, individually, all the way down to who you are, we stand at a crossroads and we can choose to be complacent, we can choose to be content with how things are, or we can choose to begin to sacrifice and to begin to do some things to get the attention of God and begin to move God on our behalf. You with me? <sighs> I can't breathe today. Last week, we talked about the word, and I've already covered that thought, and today I want to walk into this idea of fasting. Maybe you've never fasted. Maybe this is the first time. Thank you, Jesus, that you decided to fast. I'm proud of you. I think it's a great thing if this is the first time for you. This is not something foreign to the word of God, uh, but maybe this is something that you've done for the first time. Maybe you're a seasoned Christian, a mature Christian. Maybe this is something that's familiar, and you've done this over and over and over. I bet I would be willing to hand you this microphone almost. If you could tell, if you've done that and you fasted, then you've seen God move. There's, a, there, there's no doubt that you've got a testimony. If you have fasted, genuinely took a time, a season of your life, and poured your heart out before the Lord and given up something that you loved, I promise you've got a testimony to show for it. Amen? Amen. There's a few of you. So today I want us to look at the idea of why it is that we actually fast. Fasting means abstaining from food for religious reasons. That's just as plain and simple as you can get. It is abstaining from food for religious reasons. Now, I told you last week, we talked about that there was an opportunity you could fast certain things, that maybe you wanted to fast one meal a week or one meal a day. Maybe you wanted to fast not one meal a week. That's not fair. It's more than that. You want to fast one meal a day. You want to fast uh, one entire day per week. Maybe you want to fast soft drinks. Maybe you want to fast meat. Maybe you want to fast sweets. Whatever it is, I told you that we, uh, we were not going to fast social media. We're not going to fast something that we do. We're going to fast something that we consume. And that's biblical for us to do that. Fasting is the, abst uh, the abstaining from food for religious reasons. All throughout Scripture, it's related to mourning. Mourning, the, the sadness. We see actually several different fasts take place due to a season of mourning, a season of loss. Uh, if you fasted anything that you really love this week, if you have... Um, had this major caffeine addiction, and you got off of caffeine this week, your body has been in mourning. Amen? <laughs> Amen. There's something in our bodies that we long for whatever it is. When I told you Sunday that we were going to fast, it's like something immediately goes off. It's like, I'm hungry. Right? There's something connected mentally that whenever we decide and determine we're going to fast, that something goes off and this takes place. But fasting is lowering of our physical bodies, humbling ourselves before the Lord in order to clearly see the presence of God in our life. So why do we fast? I want to give you three reasons. First of all, we fast because fasting is part of that ancient, good, godly way. Those before us have fasted. In Leviticus, and I've got quite a few points if you're taking notes. I'll try to help you keep up. In Leviticus the outlines given for the Day of Atonement. 
The law was given. The day of atonement was the day when sacrifices would be brought before the priest and uh, they'd be brought to the tabernacle. They'd be slaughtered. This is animals being slaughtered. Blood was shed. Blood was spilled so that the forgiveness of sin could take place. Okay? On the day of atonement, there would be fasting. There would be people withholding things from themselves. Now, this is a variety of things that you can read in Scripture that they did not do on this day. But also, traditionally, they would fast. They would not eat. They would, they would fast. Then we go on and we see the people of Israel at different times fasting because of the need of repentance or protection or even sanctification. They had messed up or they're trying to be more like God. They're trying to be more who they should be. And so they go, they go into a season of fasting. The Ninevites, when uh, that, that stubborn guy Jonah said he was going to not go to the Ninevites and he was not going to do what God called him to do, when he finally made it there and he preached the fact that in 40 days this great city is going to be destroyed, God's going to j- pour out his judgment on it, he's going to destroy everybody in it. If you read your, your word, it says that what happened is they repented and then the king decreed a fast. Not only for the people, but the animals. The livestock didn't even eat. And because of their season of fasting, God's heart was turned, and they did not receive death. God did not destroy the city. Did they repent? Yes. I believe wholeheartedly that it was the action and the obedience. It was the sacrifice of fasting, though, that actually got God's attention and made it so that God did not destroy. Repentance would have meant that if God destroyed them, that they wouldn't have burned in hell later. Okay? You with me? But I believe it was fasting that actually turned the heart of God and saved them from destruction. When David and his men learned of Saul's death, they fasted out of the mourning of that loss. In Judges, the Israelites are losing a battle, and it seems like there's no way to go. They're, they're facing the Benjamites, and they're down, and they're out, and, and all of a sudden they say, hey, let's go back to camp. They go back to camp, and they begin to pray, and they begin to fast And when they fast, as outnumbered as they were in this battle, God still moved and God defeated the Benjamites on behalf of the Israelites due to their fasting. You with me? Can you, you, are we there yet anywhere close to believe that fasting is part of the ancient, good, godly way that we're supposed to be finding and following? You with me? Well, I'm not done. In the New Testament, John the Baptist and his disciples fasted. It's known that the Pharisees, who we like to point fingers at and have issues with because they were super religious and they followed religious law almost to a T and they tried to trip Jesus up. But in their defense, it was in their best interest. It was uh, in their best intent to know what was really going on. They believed a Messiah was coming. They just really didn't think Jesus was going to be good enough to be that Messiah. Okay? Even though we point them out as bad people and even though uh, they did try to trip Jesus up, they really knew what what was going on. They knew the law. And they weren't as bad as what we really make them out to be. You with me? Following tradition, they fasted. In Matthew chapter 6, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is teaching of fasting. Before I get to that, Saul, who you know as Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, now become Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, He was struck down on the road to Damascus. 
when he was struck down, knocked off his horse, he was blinded and he saw an angel that came and spoke to him and, and told him that God had a plan. And he was like, what in the world is taking place? And if you read that, when he got where he was going, the street called straight, when he got there for three days while he could not see, he did not eat, he fasted. He did not eat or drink anything for three days. And what's so cool about that one is that was actually the radical turnaround of his life. And that was the place that God took this man who was trying to murder and persecute the church, who was destroying and, and, and completely manipulating Christians. Now he, all of a sudden, after this encounter with God and this three-day fast, he is now turned and his whole life has been turned for God. You with me? Fasting does something. Tell somebody, fasting moves God. Fasting moves God. There's a man in the New Testament that comes up to Jesus and he's wanting to know what he's got to do to inherit the kingdom of God. He said, I fast regularly and I give my tithes faithfully. What more must I do? This man not even knowing, not even having this relationship with Jesus like he is intending to have, not even having that time that he wants to have, he still knows fasting is a part of life. Jesus taught on fasting in Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 6, and he's teaching, and I think this might be on your screen, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, or 16 through 18. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting might not be seen by others, but that your Father but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father sees in secret, who, when he sees you in secret, he will reward you. What does that mean? Well, you've probably had a headache. You've probably had some things going on. When we really go into a deep fast, and I don't know how serious you got with your fasting, but we get to a point where uh, our bodies are responding, okay? And when they're responding, realistically, I mean, Mike and I talked about it yesterday. Like, we just didn't feel good last night. And that's how I know I'm doing something right, not wrong. Because when I'm withholding something from myself that obviously was helping me keep going, and now I feel bad physically because I'm withholding that from myself, that means that the fast is accomplishing what the fast is supposed to accomplish. Okay? Now, we're family, remember? I don't have a problem talking about this with family and our online family. But I'm not going to Walmart and go hold my head down in my open globe. I don't feel good. I ain't got nothing to eat. Jesus is saying you just received your reward because everybody that looked at you and gave you that sympathy and that compassion, that was your attaboy. Good job. Go on. Get out my face. He said, but what the Father sees you do in secret, he's going to reward you in public. You with me? And then we have the ultimate example being Jesus himself. So next year we're going to go on a 40-day. Just kidding. But we do have Jesus as an example. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This I, I love this story. And it's not just a story, it's truth. But I love this part of Jesus' life. He goes to John the Baptist and John's like, man, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes he's like no nah, you're going to baptize me you got to baptize me and jesus is like whether you like it or not you're going to do this john finally baptizes him and as he come up out of the water 
of this water baptism. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus. And Jesus at that moment was filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we as a Pentecostal church believe in the movement, the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I love that. But what I love even more is when this takes place and the Holy Spirit there is with Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus immediately following. Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. Not tempted by God, but he's led to the wilderness, to a place of unknown, to a place of uncertainty, to a place that makes no sense whatsoever, where Jesus there is going to fast for 40 days and for 40 nights. And we read that in verse 2, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2 says that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That means he didn't fast his friendships, he didn't fast his words, he, didn't, he was hungry. And during that season of fasting, he was tempted over and over and over by the enemy physically. Take that rock and turn it into some bread. You're hungry. I'll give you then everything you see can be yours. It can be the kingdom. It, it, it can all belong to you. He was tempted in so many different ways. But through his fasting, we saw heaven move. I'll tell you why in just a moment. First of all, we fast because it's part of the ancient, good, godly way. You got that? We've established that part. It's not something new. It's not something Pastor Mitchell just come up with and said, hey, let's fast. It's all throughout the Word. And I just made a short list. Second reason we fast. We fast because our physical actions bring spiritual movements. Our spiritual actions our, excuse me, our physical actions bring spiritual movements. There's several examples of this. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses and the Israelites are going into a battle with the Amalekites. And God says, go up to the top of the mountain, Moses, and send Joshua, who we talked about last week, Send him into the valley, let him lead the troop, let him be the, the boots on the ground, so to speak, and let him fight the battle. Moses, you go up on top of the mountain and you lift up your staff and you lift up your hands. And as long as your hands are lifted, as long as they're raised, as long as they're, they're lifted up to heaven, you will win the battle. You'll continue winning the battle. But if your hands fall, you're going to be defeated. And we saw that, and Aaron, uh, I'm sorry, Moses goes up on the mountain, and he, he's there, and he eventually gets tired, and they get him a stone or a, a stool to sit down on, if you will, and he's trying to lift up his hands, and, and when they begin to fall, Joshua and his men begin to lose the battle. And two guys, Aaron and Hur, it makes no sense, there's a guy named Hur, but anyway, Aaron and Hur, come on, don't be difficult, come up beside him, and they hold his arms up. And as they stand behind him holding his arms up and lifting up his arms, the physical action of Moses brings a spiritual movement and Joshua and his men have victory because of God moving that day. Do we agree that physical actions bring spiritual movement? We need each other. There's another whole sermon inside of this thought process where we need Aaron and hers. We need people that are coming beside us that when my arms are tired, when I'm give out, when I'm just kind of like busted up and disgusted and don't know what's going on, we need somebody that comes up and says, hey, 
Lift up your head. I'm going to hold your arms. You just lift up your eyes to heaven and watch and see God move. Physical actions bring spiritual movement. There was a story in Joshua 6. You know this story. It's the story of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. How did it happen? God said you're to march around the city one time a day for six days. That's a physical action. You agree? They marched around the city for six days. And then he said, on the seventh day, you're all to march. And when you march, the priest is going to blow the trumpet. And they're going to sound the, their, their instruments. And they're going to blow their horns. And then when they, they blow their horns, you're going to be marching. And when you march around it seven times on the seventh day, when you hear that loud trumpet sound, you're going to let out a great shout, a great war cry, a great cry of worship. When that great cry of worship is given, the walls to the city are going to fall. The story is that they did. They burned up the city. They took everything that they, they were there to get because their physical actions brought spiritual movement. You with me? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, are they not all, and we're talking about angels. He says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Throw it back up real quick. Took it away from me. I was reading it. Are they not all ministering spirits, angels? Did you know that you have angels that are assigned to you because you inherited salvation from Jesus? So therefore, there's been angels that whenever we inherited salvation, there are ministering spirits or angels that are there sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. How do you know this? Well, if you go and read that verse I told you to read a minute ago in Matthew where Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry, it says that the angel of the Lord came and ministered to him. You with me? His fasting brought a movement. His fasting brought, uh, shook heaven and the angel was dispatched to minister to him. We also see this in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel's a the guy we go to often when we're talking about fasting. The idea of 21 days of fasting comes from Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 2, I think is the verses that I'll give them. It says, in these days, those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I had no delicacies, no desirable food, no pleasurable food. That's the way that word needs to be. Uh, translated, nothing desirable. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl. His, faith, his face was the appearance of lightning. His eyes flaming like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words, like the sound of a multitude. Sometimes I wish that the sounds of my words were like a multitude because my one ain't enough sometimes. He said, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them and they fled and 
hid themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. And no strength was left in me. Why? Well, because he just fasted for 21 days. No strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. And I retained no strength. Fasting is not supposed to make you stronger physically. You agree with me? Lord willing, you'll lose some weight. That's not the point of this whatsoever. He said, then I heard the sound of his words and I heard the sound of, and the sound of his words fell. I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And he says, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, Daniel, a man greatly loved. This is important because the same word used to define greatly is the same word that's delicacies. He said, I had no desirable food. But now the, the angel of the Lord stands before him, he says, but you are a desirable man. That's powerful. Lord, I hope and pray that as I give up desirable food, that it's making me a desirable man. Amen? If there's anything I want, it's to be desired by the Lord. But it goes on. That's not even the point of our conversation. He said to me in verse 12, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God since day one of your fast. He said, I've, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. Since day one, I pushed through. And then verse 13 says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. That means that the angel was dispatched at the beginning of the time of prayer. At the beginning of the fast, the angel was on his way. But the demonic forces, I think I'm going crazy now, demons and angels. He said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. It held me up. I couldn't make it. But Michael, there's three main angels. Lucifer, who was cast out. Gabriel, the messenger. And Michael, the warrior. Okay? He said, I was withstood. I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't move. I couldn't get there. They were blocking me. But, but you were faithful. I was dispatched at day one. And I was there for 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was there with the kings of Persia. And, he, and came to make you understand what's to happen to your people. For the vision of days is yet to come. I'm just telling you that your physical actions bring spiritual movement. When he began to pray, the angel was dispatched. But because of his faithful and fasting, after 21 days, Michael was then dispatched. The head warrior, the, the chief, if you will, the big dog, was sent to loose this messenger angel. We fast because our physical actions bring spiritual movement. Last thought is we fast because we're hungry. 
We fast because we're hungry. You say, yeah, I'm hungry because I'm fasting. That ain't what I said. I said, we fast because we're hungry. Can we just be real? You're going to eat something. Most of us probably not what's good for us. But we're going to eat. Right? We love to eat. Food is pleasurable. We're going to eat. And in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, there's a story. Samaria has been besieged. They've been taken over, and now there's this extreme famine. And this famine's gotten to the point, these people are starving. Tell somebody they're hungry. Tell somebody they're hungry. They're hungry. To the point that for 80 pieces of silver, you could buy a donkey's head. A donkey's head. And they would skin the donkey's head and eat the skin and the meat, which there isn't very much meat on a donkey's head. You think that's great? For five pieces of silver, Tommy's smiling because he knows what's coming. You could buy one cab or the equivalent of basically one liter of dove's dung. Somebody say they're hungry. They were hungry. That's desperate, family. But we're going to eat something. And these people who are famine, they've starved themselves. They're, because of the, the, the besiege that's going on, they're, they're, they're trapped. They can't get out. They're hungry. And they're going to eat whatever they can get their hands on. Stay with me. This is important. It even gets to the point. If you read a little bit further, they started boiling their own babies. Because when we're hungry enough, we consume each other. That's gross. That's disgusting. I'm not going to eat you physically. But if you're not careful, we will get hungry enough. There's something gnawing inside of us. And we're not satisfying that spirit enough. And what happens is we start lashing out at each other. And we start consuming each other. We start taking each other out. Micah can tell you that when Mitchell starts lashing out, when Mitchell starts having issues, it's because he has starved his spirit from something. You with me? It's gross. I don't care. There's no way around it. The donkey's head, the dove's dung, and now the baby's. That's gross. There ain't no way to look at it any other way. But it's the reality and it's the gross fact that you and I are going to eat something. We're going to eat and so the question is, are we going to feed the Spirit on the presence of God when we fast? Or are we going to feed on junk that's no good for us, that's disgusting and gross, and even worse, are we going to feed on each other? Because we're hungry. Family, we need help. We're hungry.
God created a hole inside of us. I'm just going to be real with you. Here's what it took for me. It took me getting to a point of a nervous breakdown, anxiety attacks, feeling so lost, just on the verge of breaking. And I sat down with a brother, first of all, who lifted up my head, and I've talked about this some, especially since November. But my supervising pastor, if you will, is really my brother. He said, you're going to sit down with a counselor. Whether you like it or not, no questions asked. Yes, sir. And here was what broke me. Can I tell you what broke me? A man says, pastors don't like to hear what I'm about to tell you. So you can reject me or you can accept it. It's up to you. I really don't care. My counselor shoots straight. He said, you've got a hole inside of you that God is the only thing that can fill that hole. There is a hunger in you that there's nothing else that can satisfy it. You can eat of everything else. You can eat, he didn't say this, but if he'd have been in conversation, he would have, you can eat donkey's heads, you can eat dove's poop, you can even begin to consume the people around you, but it's not going to fill that hole. He said all of your problems come from the fact you're filling that hole and that gap with everything but God. He said, you're not going to like it, Pastor. But you need more of God in your life. I broke, cried like a baby. We're hungry. We are, st maybe you don't, even really you can't put your finger on it. I promise the God that created you put a desire in you for himself. If he hadn't, there'd been no point in creating you in the first place. The God that created you put a desire in you. And you're going to fill it with something. So often it's junk. So often it's negativity and bitterness and gossip and disunity, and disruption, addiction, anger, frustration. We're going to fill the gap with something. When I fast, my body goes through this weird transformation. And what it is, is it's some sort of a form of detox. Detox. 
not had a soft drink or sweet tea or anything else except for water since we started this fast. And for a guy that since I had COVID is hooked on Coke, Coca-Cola, that was rough. I was a Mountain Dew addict till COVID, and it completely wiped out my taste buds, and now I don't even like Mountain Dew hardly no more. But I'm sitting down ordering a Coca-Cola wherever I go. as a new taste that I really like. And so when I dropped that, my body went through a withdrawal. And I'm being for real today. I think it's the first day. Lord willing, it won't come this afternoon. Today's the first day I've not had a headache all week. Because the toxins are finally gone. And the reason that we fast is because I'm telling you, whether you agree or not, you're hungry. You want, you're going to eat. You're going to eat something. Your, in, your, your heart, whether you feed the flesh or whether you feed your spirit, you're going to eat something. We, we fast because it's part of the old godly good way. Lord knows I'm fasting because I want my physical actions to bring some spiritual movement. I need God to move in my life. I need God to move in this church. I need God to move in your life. I need God to move in my family. I need God to move. And I have faith to know that by my spiritual action, Noah built an ark and when the floodwaters dropped, he built an altar. And his physical action of worship brought a spiritual movement. Your worship shakes heaven. It sure enough shakes hell. But I promise it shakes heaven as well. You're hungry. The question is, what are you going to feed yourself with? Why do we fast? Well, because the people before us have shown us it's the right thing. Because I want to see God move. And because I recognize that I'm hungry. There's a hole inside of me. There's a gap that only God can fill. The only way I can be content, the only way I can be happy, the only way I can be full of joy is when that spot is filled with only him. Not no donkey's heads. Not any dove's dung. Not each other. But him. Can we just be real? I'm a young man. Maybe some of you older saints can tell me different. I've never seen or known of a time where I lived in a place where people were consuming each other the way we consume each other. You agree? Killing's going on just because people disagree and just because they want to disagree. Some of it makes no sense whatsoever. They're on the same side. They just don't even realize they're on the same side because they want to disagree. Consuming each other. 
We're eating our own, I'm sorry, it's graphic. We're eating our own babies. We're killing our generations behind us. We're taking them out. I love my babies, but I am terrified of what they're going to live through over the next 15 and 20 years. And I feel responsible for that. I brought them into the world to live through it. Consuming each other. Why? Because God put something inside of every single individual that can only be filled by him. But we're trying to fill it with everything else. So here we stand at a crossroads. The question is, which way do we go? I hope you've started your fast strong. I hope that your heart's in the right place. But I really hope that after today, you've got some insight of why you're actually fasting. What's the goal? The goal is to see heaven shake and to see angels dispatched on our behalf, to see the demonic forces begin to be defeated. We know Jesus wins, we win. You got it? No question asked. But that don't mean the battles don't have to be fought. The battles have to be fought in the spirit realm. And, and I'm not fighting a battle that I can see that's flesh and blood, but I'm fighting a battle between princes and principalities of rulers of darkness, angels and demons. I'm fighting a battle with angels and demons. How am I doing it? By my physical actions, shaking and moving heaven and seeing spiritual movement on my behalf. So tomorrow, this afternoon, whenever you, you have another stomach growl or you've got another pain, maybe you don't, your fast isn't enough. Maybe you just realized through this today that you're not really fasting and you're not sacrificing quite enough. That's awesome. Because if your stomach's not growled or you've not had a headache or you've not craved what it is, then I don't know that it's necessarily a delicacy or a desired food that you're giving up. I ain't trying to be hard. I'm just trying to be your pastor. Is that okay? So maybe you realize that there's not enough sacrifice in it and you change it today, tomorrow, great. That's awesome. But the next time you have that craving, Micah hates chocolate. If you didn't know that about her, she's not a huge chocolate fan. Right now she wants chocolate. Why? Because she's fasting sweets. She never wants chocolate. Next time you want whatever it is that you've given up, settle down just a minute and focus on the fact that your physical action is bringing spiritual movement. And yeah, you're hungry in the physical, you're hungry in this moment, but settle down and shut up just a minute and be hungry and thirsty for him because Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. You're hungry for something. I promise. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you for this amazing day you've given us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're bringing us to a place of crossroads, that you're calling us and pushing us to make choices and decisions. 
God, I thank you that there is a path that's beaten down, that's well-traveled, that we can see before us. We can go through our, our word, and we can see that fasting is part of that path. It's not something new we're trying to come up with on our own. It's not something new we're making up, God, but it's something that's definitely there on that path that we're traveling and we're walking in. Father, and I believe wholeheartedly, 100%, there's testimony after testimony in my life of my own personal fast. God, I believe that as I physically, I physically act and I make sacrifices and I do things, God, your heart is moved and you begin to stir and something begins to happen and there's spiritual movement on my behalf. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would let your people see that in this season. God, those that have never fasted before, Lord, I pray that blessings upon blessings would be poured out. God, they would see you in a way they've never seen you before. They would understand and they would begin to comprehend why it is that they're fasting. God, prayers would be answered. You would move. Father, we fast because it's the thing for us to do. We fast because our physical actions bring spiritual movement. And we fast because we're hungry for you. God, let us be like that son that was a prodigal son that when he came to himself, he came to his senses in the pig pen feeding the pigs. His hunger for the father brought him home. It was his hunger that made him think the father's servants have more than enough to eat. God, we're hungry for you today. We declare that in the name of Jesus. there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus, never had a relationship with Him, this whole conversation's been about fasting, but let me tie it all back together and tell you it's all because the Father wants a relationship with you. He created something inside of you that desires Him more than anything else, and we can't fill it with anything else other than Him and be satisfied. Father, I pray blessings on Your people. God, I pray that you bless us. Lord, let your face shine on us. Let your grace be upon us, God. Give us peace. Keep us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.